to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, emergency management, resilience, COVID, well-being, continuity plans, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Alex Fullick there. I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Alternatively, you can just go to alexfullick.com, and you can reach me that way. Longtime listeners and viewers know that I presented at the BCI World Conference in 2021, and my hope was that I would be able to get some of those speakers to come on the show and talk about their topic or another topic. Today, I'm lucky enough to have one of those speakers joining me from Nigeria today. And I've never spoken to anyone from Nigeria before, so I'm really looking forward to the different perspective and and learning some new things here. I'd like to welcome to the show the author and presenter, I should say, of A Resilient You, Practicing an Effective Continuity Culture at Work and Home. I'd like to welcome to the show Motobola Oluwu. Motobola, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alex. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm looking forward to sharing in my thoughts as well. I'm looking forward to this too. Now, I want everyone to know there is a little bit of a delay between uh, Motobola and myself. So I want to apologize up front if sometimes it seems as though we might be talking over each other. It's, you know, just our wonderful technology and the way it works sometimes. Motobola, uh, I know you and I have sent emails back and forth, so I know what you do. Could you take a minute or two to talk about yourself, what you do, and how you got into what you do? Awesome. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, like you said, my name is Motobola Ulu Ajibodu, and I've actually been in the business continuity frontline resilience as you'd have it for about six years now and I just happened to walk into it really um, there was this opening in one of the units um, where I used to work sometimes ago and uh, while rotating at that point we got to hear about business continuity and I was wondering what, what's this about really I was so curious and at that point we got to know oh you know you have redundancies in place if you have A here, then you're going to have B, but it's exactly the same, just so if there are disruptions, you can recover on time. And I was like, okay, okay, that's interesting. And over time, I just happened to stumble upon BCI online. And I was like, okay, Business Continuity Institute, what, what is this about? What do they do here? And it just got interesting every step of the way. And I also happened to learn hands-on in this field. So it was so challenging. 
I love challenges, by the way. So it sort of suited my innermost core. And I was like, okay, okay, you know what? I've always been passionate about helping others. That's one strong strength I have. I, I, I so much take so much joy in doing that. And I was like, okay, yeah, this field aligns with where I see myself in the future, where I can talk to people, where I can help them build resilience, where I can help them build themselves. You know, I've gone through so much and it will be nice to share the story, to hear from others, to help them grow. One individual and organization at a time, one after the other. So that's it for me. I'm here just out of sheer passion, really. Nothing else. Wonderful. I like that. This is going to be good. I can, I have your presentation here, and I can tell even just by reading some of the bullet points that you're going to be quite passionate about what you have to say. Thank you, Alex. So let's jump right into what you were talking about. Let's yes. talk about resilience. Does it mean something different for work and home? And how do you define it? So thank you very much, Alex. Uh, I would like to take the question from bottom up, which is, what is resilience? And I'm going to tell the story of an experience I had yesterday. I happened to go for an inter-house sports competition where we had um, age grades like from uh, three to eight participate in different kinds of sports and activities. And there was this relay race where we had an all girls 400 meters race. So at the point where the last leg, which she was to cover 100 meters, she was to continue on the journey. Our other participants had started. It was up to her to redeem our team, so to say. And when she started, she unfortunately fell. After she fell, she quickly dusted up her feet. You know, we in the crowd were cheering her up, get up, get up, you can do it. We really didn't think that she would probably get to the finish line on time. We just wanted to encourage her to, okay, just continue, finish the race. But luckily for her, she stood up, dusted up herself, and she just continued. She just went on and on and on, and that was it. She actually won the race. Nice. She, other girls that had gone way ahead of her, she just got her energy from nowhere, and she won. So resilience to me is somewhat like that story. I am bouncing back from this disruption. The disruption is her falling down. Bouncing back means she's getting up on her feet. And then bouncing forward is when she actually continued on the race. And then she made it to the finish line on time, beating the other girls. So resilience simply means bouncing back from that disruption and bouncing forward. So it's a matter of, I'm not just surviving, but I'm also going to thrive, whatever the disruption might be. Either you're an individual or you're an organization. That's it. So that's what I would call resilience, bouncing back and bouncing forward, learning to survive and also thrive. That is resilience. Now, coming to the difference between the workplace and the home, I would like to think of the home as a place where I have so much internal control. In fact, whatever the stakeholders might be, my husband, my kids, I, have, I still have some level of control. So I can decide, oh, this morning, this is what I'm going to do. And to build up my resilience, this is what I'm going to do. But when it comes to the workplace, it's a different ballgame entirely. It's, it's an externally controlled area. There's a limit to the kind of control I would have. I may not have control on what my subordinates would say to me, 
or my senior line manager. So can I deal with the pressure, the kind of stakeholders I would have? I would have vendors, I would have customers, all sorts. So there are two different aspects of life, as I would put it. But then the difference in how I want to build resilience or respond to situations in there are going to be slightly different. So that's what I would call the difference. The, the stakeholders are totally different and the situations are totally different. With regards to personal resilience, to take that a little bit further, what are some of the characteristics that you would uh, attribute to someone who is displaying resilience that we may never notice? Thank you for that question, Alex. Actually, a lot of us have been practicing resilience before we knew what resilience was all about. So you would have an extra cash in your wallet and say, I don't know what could happen. I'm just going to hold on to this extra cash in my wallet for some reason. Or um, I'm going to double book a particular kind of order because I really can't say I might need something extra. Or why do we get two of everything sometimes? Really, why do we get extra batteries? So a lot of us are actually practicing personal resilience. It's inborn, it's in it. And you know, it, it's like building up your muscles. You need to build up your muscles to make it stronger. So as human beings, naturally, when we talk about personal resilience, that's someone that is positive and optimistic. You will not tell the person, oh, you're resilient, but no matter whatever happens, they are slow to be pessimistic about issues. They look forward to the best parts of things. And they always seem to also make the right choices, even if they don't know what they're doing. Really, there are people like that. <laughs> they just say, you know what, um, the, the pandemic is, is causing so much stare and, and fright and people are afraid. But you know what, I'm just going to gather people together. You know, we, we won't feel down during our birthday celebrations. We'll have virtual birthday parties. Yeah. Those are people like that. They're so optimistic. And then it's very important to also care for yourself. So people that are resilient tend to care so much for themselves, not necessarily the body. We're talking about the mental aspects, the physiological aspects, the physical aspects. They take so much time in building up themselves, self-development. And another great future of someone that is personally resilient is that they are self-aware of themselves. They know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, they know the opportunities that come and they can observe their threats. Another great feature is they are somewhat adaptive to situations. I remember I, I said something earlier about resilience that it's about you not just surviving, but also learning to try. Mm -hmm. So people like come up with solutions when others are only thinking about the problem. They are thinking solutions solutions. And they are driven by purpose. They're not driven by, by the mere things that every other person would just run to. They are driven by purpose. They tend to think ahead. They tend to almost always say, you know what, if this doesn't work, this might work. So really, a resilient person is someone that no matter whatever happens, they will always find a way out. Positively. I like I that. Because that... that too often we have bosses um, and colleagues um, and even friends and family, when something happens, their biggest focus is to find someone or something to blame 
rather than think, how do I keep going forward? Exactly. Exactly. Now, in your presentation, you talk about something. I had to look this up. And when I, when I found it, I went, oh, I know what that is, but I didn't recognize the name at all. Um, and I hope I'm saying this right. You talk <laughs> about the art of kuns kunsugi? Kintsugi. Kintsugi. What <laughs> is the art of kintsugi? All right. I happened to stumble upon this beauty sometimes, I think last year. And I was just doing this rough research on resilience. I had um, a presentation to university students. And when I came upon this interesting part of resilience, I was amazed because it did something to me that I probably not experienced in a long time. So it, it's, it's an ancient Japanese art that is being done to precious, you know, precious metals, precious bowls, maples, name it, whatever the material is. So, for instance, when a Japanese bride is getting married, there are some sort of, um, what do we call them now? Like fine chinas, so to say. So, pack them, they're like bridal accessories. Even here in Nigeria, we have things like that. During the uh, traditional marriage, there are some pots, some things they gather for the bride when they are going to your husband's house. So, in some cases, in the process of carrying these things, moving them from one place to the other, they get broken. So for the Japanese, um, let me just put for the Japanese, when precious bowls are broken, they don't throw it away. So they gather the pieces together and then use the best element on earth, gold, <laughs> to put it together again. So there's this sort of exquisite beauty that makes that broken piece stand out. You would see the trims of the gold around it, and it eventually becomes even more expensive than the initial state it was in. Of course, gold has been embellished into this wonderful work of art. So it's not going to be as cheap as it used to be before. So to them, it's an extension of preserving life or preserving material things that matters to them. They call them the precious bowls. So to me, I would think of the art of Kintsungi as something that you can bring to the human nature and say to yourself, you know what? I'm this piece of bowl. And if for any reason I get broken, no matter the disruption, I will put myself back together. Now, putting yourself back together, either you want to use gold. Now, gold in this sense would be your experiences, you know, you have loved ones encouraging you. Mm -hmm. You just find yourself. When you find yourself, what do you do with yourself? You tell your story. That's the value. There's so much experience does to us. And there's this popular saying that if you experience some things, it's really not because of you. It's because of those you need to tell your stories to. So they can learn. They can pick elements of, oh, that's right. If this person survived this some years back, I can survive it as well. So to me, these experiences that breaks you down adds more value to your life. In fact, it gives your life more meaning because you are not just an Alex. You are an Alex with a special story, with a special kind of influence. So you're not just any Alex. 
your story is exquisite to you and you stand out from that. So to me, I believe that's the value. You are just like that bowl. When you're broken, it is your duty to pick yourself back together. If you're lucky, someone helps you to pick your pieces back together. That's fine. But you shouldn't just stay there. The value is offering yourself out there, telling your stories with those cars right there. That's what makes it beautiful. I thought the analogy was fantastic. Um, And as I say, I had to look it up because I wasn't quite (laughs) sure what it was. Uh, But I had the same thought, thinking, okay, I'm just a plain old grain bowl, gray bowl. Um, And the gold that helped pull me back together was exactly what you said. My, My support systems, my family, my friends, you know, they're the gold in my life that bring, bring me back together, make me whole again. And I think it's a fantastic analogy, not just for resilience, but also my own well-being and mental health yes. to know that I have um, out there surrounding me, next door neighbors, friends, family, I have gold out there. A lot of us, a lot of people don't realize they have that, right? I do. I totally agree with you. In fact, people will tell you, uh, especially in this part of Africa. So this part of Africa, you really can't tell people your plans because there's just that imaginary thought that, oh, someone is just going to come, some supernatural spiritual power is going to pull you down. So we tend to have closed circles when it comes to our support system. So when things happen, it's really only that same circle that can help you. Mm-hmm. So. Gold is very precious to us, as I'll put it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there are gold everywhere. The people that you care about, those that intentionally and sincerely care about you. And I I really love that. I think I'm going to adapt that as well. So those are support systems are the gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. On that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. We're talking with Modabola Olubu today on the topic of a resilient you, practicing an effective continuity culture at work and home, and we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice America talk radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Motorola Olawu on the topic of a resilient you, practicing an effective continuity culture at work and home. Great first segment, uh, Motobola. I really enjoyed uh, the the talk, especially on the um, Kint Sugi, Kint Sugi, um, and I really recommend everyone take a look at it. Um, I, it's a fantastic analogy. Now let's talk about um, the next part of what uh, you presented at BCI, and that had to do with cultivating resilience. And the first thing that you talked about was the me strategy. What's that? All right, thank you, Alex. The me strategy, like I said earlier, about those who have built personal resilience over the years are those who understand themselves. The me strategy is when you pay attention to yourself. So if you really want to say, I'm a resilient person, for you to build on resilience, you must understand yourself. It's like, seek first to understand before you understood. So in this case, you really want to take your time to understand yourself. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Uh, what kind of systems do I have in place? My health and fitness systems? What regimens do I have? What routines? Do I have? So you're paying attention to your physical health, your physiological health. You know the kind of support systems you have. Alex, you spoke earlier about your support system being your gold. So it's at this point you need to recognize who your support systems are. Is it my family? It, does it include a friend that is dear to me? Does it include my grandparents? So the me strategy means you're paying attention to yourself. It's me. And my strategy is I want to understand myself. My threats, my opportunities, my weaknesses, my strengths, my support system. And most importantly, I want to build a portfolio that allows me to build my resilience, one of which is staying connected. This really helped a whole lot of us during the pandemic lockdown. Here in Lagos, we were home for close to six months, if I'm not mistaken. And the only way we could pull that off was because we were connected. Thank God for technology. A friend of mine celebrated his 30th birthday virtually. We had, it, it was crazy. We had virtual parties. So, but that's, that's part of being connected. It could have been depressed and said, oh, COVID did not allow me to celebrate my 30th birthday. It's a milestone, but I could not do anything. But we had online games. We were dressed up. We looked good. I was the MC. It was really good. It was a good party. So staying connected also talks about the kind of connections you have. Besides your friends, your mentors, your guarantors, your sponsors, your colleagues at work. At that time, we... We're encouraged to have video calls on teams at work. So you're not just hearing the audio part, but you get to see yourself, you get to talk. And then HR would also check on you or how are you feeling? 
that's your mental health. So there's a whole lot of um, health care when it comes to staying connected as well. It helps you tick so many boxes. And it also helps you to have a positive mindset. So the me strategy means I understand myself. I know what triggers anger for me. I know what pisses me off. I know what makes me happy. I know what I can do to make others happy. I know my support system. I know me. Really, that's it. So for you to be a resilient person, you can't be resilient if you don't understand yourself. Because at that point, then you will do basically what every other person is doing. It's like someone that has um, low, uh, how do I put it now, that is lactose intolerant. And then because you have no idea you're lactose intolerant, you go for a coffee that has serious level of full cream, or you go for full cream milk, or you just take some sort of um, material, food material that has high level of uh, lactose. So in this case, you don't know yourself. So you are hurting yourself. You are harming yourself. So you must be able to understand yourself to grow. And like I said, resilience is like your muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. So if you want to build resilience, you must first understand yourself and build yourself. That's the me strategy. Do you have any uh, suggestions for people as you put it, looking at yourself, for those that you find that difficult to look at themselves. You know, I mentioned earlier when something goes wrong, some people are looking more to find blame and fault in others rather than taking a look at themselves. So do you have any thoughts maybe? And I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything. Mm, that's that's have, okay. Do you have any suggestions okay. for people? Yes, I do. Find that difficult. Yeah, I do. So it, it's fine. A lot of people don't like to look at themselves in the mirror for so many reasons. I, I don't look good. I, I look this way. I'm dark. I have scars. But then it takes somebody else to see that beauty or to tell them, no, you don't look this way. You actually look pretty. You look handsome. You are more than this. You're, you're more than the physical. And a lot of times that helps them to find confidence and they manage to take a peek. Then they can see themselves in the mirror at the long run. So it's the same way. Being self-aware or understanding yourself is like looking at the mirror. When you look at the mirror, you see yourself. So when you can't find the courage for any reason, either because you're lazy or because you feel I, I'm just, I'm too stressed to do that, or I'm not ready. I would just rather put the blame on somebody else. A lot of times it takes, in this case, I'll make it easy, your support system or your close circle to help you to find it. If you feel, I don't know my strengths or I don't know what makes me happy, you could ask the closest person to you and say, you know, what do you see in me? You know, what, did, what did you notice that if I do it, um, I'm always excited to do it. You know, those kind of questions help you to find out maybe what makes you happy. Or what do you think I do so well, so, so well? That could be your strength. Or what do you, what do you think um, I don't do so well? You know, do I talk to people brashly? Do I, do I come aggressively to people? Am I assertive? So ask questions. And you would find that in the other strategies I mentioned. So it's, it's sort of interwoven. If you don't understand yourself, you need your community to find the answer. You can't do everything by yourself. In fact, the truth is a resilient person will do so much, 
but the community will do so much more. That's how it works, really. So to yes, circle, to circle back, to circle back with what you were talking about earlier, find that gold, that little piece of gold. Awesome, awesome, Alex. That's it. That's it. Find your gold. Find your gold. Yes. So, and I think you've kind of started to touch on this one, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, uh, the next strategy you talked about with cultivating resilience is the proactive strategy. Yes. Yes. So the proactive strategy, like I said in the, during the conference and also in the slide, and as I would love to put it here, is when you understand it is not just enough to react to situations. So people that will throw the blame on somebody else or say, well, I'm not aware, they are simply reacting to the situation. There's a difference between reacting and responding to a situation. So you can decide to say, I don't think I want to be a reactive person. I want to be proactive. So proactive is the opposite of being reactive. You don't want to wait for things to happen before you develop solutions for them. So you think ahead. And one of the things that can help you to think ahead is asking questions. So, for instance, I've made up my mind that I don't know my strength. And, well, I don't want to be reactive because I could go for a job interview and I'm asked, what are your strengths? So the only thing I can do before my interview is I would probably speak to uh, my sister or my brother or my husband and say, you know what, can you, you know, what do you think I do so well? Really, do I coordinate so well? So when you ask questions, it helps. And that is on the asking questions side. There's also asking the questions. And the D is in caps. So you would understand that there are some questions that you need to ask. Either you are working or you are home so that you won't be a mess. So proactive strategy just means taking the step ahead, thinking ahead, asking the questions, basically anticipating change. I mean, that is why Microsoft Teams or Zoom is doing so well, because someone somewhere thought at some point in time, people in organizations may not be able to gather in conference rooms anymore. I'm sure by the time the person was thinking of this virtual platform for meetings, someone must have said, why? We have, we have conference rooms that can take up to 100, 200 people. So why do you want to uh, limit people to virtual meetings? I was like, well, Everybody can be at the same place at the same time. In fact, the plan must have been for organizations that have branches. My organization has branches in over six African countries. So we can't get everybody to be in the same room. Why don't we just spread it out? So we need a, we need a technology to help us do that. But that is it. Somebody thought of Zoom and said, you know what? Aside taking a few number of people, I want to make this virtual platform available to all kinds of people, not just organizations. So either you are a small, medium enterprise, you have access to Zoom. Either you are a church, you have access to Zoom. And the interesting part of it is it can take a whole lot of people. So far, you are subscribed to that package. But it's because the person was able to anticipate that change, that something could change. Something could be different. So this also applies to the personal person. You must know when to ask the questions. Another thing is you must know when to say no. People will throw garbage and rubbish at you uh -huh. because of their own selfish reasons, either at work or because of their selfish reasons at home. So you must learn to say no. 
And say no means I can foresee the end result of this thing you're asking me to do or you're asking me to say yes to. So I'm not going to limit myself to getting to that point before I say no. That is you being reactive. Does I don't that want include to include work. Just out of curiosity, does that include um, you know, your boss saying things? Yes, it does. It does. And I'm going to give you a very typical example. There was a point I was uh, going through some documents, like just learning about human resource. You know, for you to be a resilient expert, there are some there are some areas of the business you must understand. And code of conduct covers a whole lot of what human resources will do. Mm-hmm. So case of work ethics and you have a manager that is giving you a whole lot of activities to do for instance you get to the office 8 a.m and before 10 he has given you like 50 things to do that's fine it's okay but then you're doing the 50 things and then he calls you again and say you have to come to my office right now we need to finish a particular assignment don't forget the activity he gave me since eight o'clock I also have a timeline, probably to submit by 10.30. And it's calling me by 10 to say that we need to do something. I don't need to be aggressive. It's an assertive way. Oh, that's fine. Uh, boss, but please, you need to let me know uh, what you want me to prioritize. Do you want me to prioritize coming to the office for us to finish what you're working on? Or you want me to prioritize these documents you want me to finish before 10.30? You are not saying you're not going to do the job. You only want him to remember that you also have some assignment that he gave to you. And in as much as he also needs you there as a team player, you can't say no, but you must be assertive in saying no. So when I mean you must know when to say no, I'm not saying you must say, no, I can't come to your office to work. No, you just need to be assertive. Oh, um, yeah, that's awesome. I would love to be there, but we need to prioritize this activity. So which one do you want me to put first? And he will decide. So if you don't do it by 10.30, he understands. He's not going to say, uh, where are the reports I told you to do? You've not submitted. You've already, you've already told him. So that's been assertive. So when you are saying no, please be assertive in saying you no. Yes, it, 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 it works in the workplace. I've done it already. People have done it. I think that also goes for uh, management who are being pressured by their bosses. It, it, it's, it, it, they should be saying too, hey, if you want these reports, then uh, my employees have already prioritized work. So how are you changing their priorities as well? Like it's not just uh, somebody without a management title, but it, it really means everybody. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. So let's talk about uh, the, the last one you've got here is uh, for cultivating resilience, the community strategy. Strategy. All right. Community, as the name implies. In Africa, there's a popular quote that it takes a village to raise a child. That is, it's not necessarily the father and the mother alone. The uncle has a role to play. The auntie has a role to play. The school has a role to play. The church or the mosque has a role to play. The government has a role to play. The entire community has a role to play. So when you understand this as a human being, 
Then you also know it is not about you receiving, receiving, receiving. You also need to learn to give. So I'm going to put it in this very simple form. Imagine you are on a liver. This is A, this is B. This is the liver. And this A keeps tilting, tilting, tilting down because B keeps going up and up. Eventually, A is going to fall off. And when A falls off, B can't stand either. B goes off. So we need each other. So in as much as it takes an entire village to raise you, you also have a role to play. So I know myself now, that's the main strategy. I'm proactive in my thinking. I know when to say no. I know when to ask questions. I know how to anticipate change. The next thing is, to some level, I've gained a momentum that I can use to give back. Now, don't forget, when you're giving back, you're also finding balance. So rather than shooting up like B, you are shooting up at a balanced level. A and B are going at the same distance. That is finding the balance. The community strategy helps you to find balance with yourself and your external factors. That, that's the simplest way to put it. So this also helps you to build skills. Skills like you must learn to be collaborative. And a very simple example, really, is this interview we're having, Alex. We have preparing for the unexpected. It appeals to a community, a community of people that want to build their resilience. Even if it's people that are already in the resilience field, they want to learn more. And then there's me. I know myself. I'm proactive. And I know, well, people are looking out to learn more. So I collaborated with you, or you collaborated with me and said, you know what? You are an expert in this field. This is my platform. We are collaborating. That's the community strategy. That's why BCI exists. We need BCI for that community. That's why we have DRI. So if you can't see beyond yourself, you can never be resilient. If you think resilience is only about you, you are mistaken. And that's why we have firemen. We have the police. We have the astronauts. We have so many people. We call them frontliners because they're resilient. They are not resilient because they are firemen. They're resilient because no matter whatever wants to stop them from saving a life, they still make an effort to save a life. So for me, community strategy is finding the balance, looking beyond yourself. And I give a very simple example about the Community Resilience Volunteer Week that BCI does every year. It has been a tremendous platform. So if you're a BCI practitioner, and you are doing what Alex does, or you are doing what I do, this is a good opportunity. If you've not seen any reason to give back, it's a good way. If, I, if you don't know where to, to start from, you can reach out to me. I can guide you. So it's important that we understand that aside ourselves, we need to see beyond ourselves. In fact, I always tell people, Alex, you are not here in the face of the earth for yourself alone. You are here because of hell, G because of the people that you are a support system to. They need you. That's how it works. That's the community strategy. 
That's inspiring. You know, thank you for that. That's really inspiring. And I hope people paid attention to that message because that, that's inspiring. On that note, we've come to the end of our second segment. We are talking today with Motobola Oluwu and on the topic of a resilient you, practicing effective continuity culture at work and home. And we'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Motobola Oluwu on a resilient you practicing effective continuity culture at work and home. Uh, Motobola, I just want to say that uh, this is very uh, enlightening and very inspiring. Thank you very much. It's nice to uh, have a different perspective on things, a, a human approach to things rather than someone talking about a methodology or a vendor approach or something like that. You're adding a lot of human um, aspects to this, and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Alex. Uh, for the last piece we're going to talk about in our last segment, we're going to talk about crises and their opportunities. Can you talk about those? Oh, yes. Um, some years back, I came across a book, and uh, it's a book on operational risk. And operational risk tends to talk about name whatever the risk might be when it comes to operations in an organization. I'd like to bring that home to a, a human being 
So your operations deals with every part of your system, your digestive system, your respiratory system, your blood circulatory system, name it. So if you tend to forget that you stand a chance of having an issue and you don't know how to come out of it, then this would be a great reminder for you to know that sometimes when crises occur or when disruptions happen, you don't just look at it from one angle. So the Asians are very... Um, I, I would love to. I would love to categorize them as people that we should learn a lot from when it comes to crisis or risk, because the book spends so much time on dissecting what crisis and risk does to the organization or to the human system. So a lot of people will come to you and say crises are the worst. Oh my God! When you crisis, that's the end. And then you would hear a Warren Buffet say that when the stocks are down or when the chips are down and everybody's running out, that is when he is running in. I don't know if you've heard that, Alex. Mm -hmm. I read, I was like, wow. So we have people that have true grits because I would call that grits. Cereals guts, because naturally if you're going somewhere and everybody's running out, your natural human order is to follow them and run out. I don't know if that's happened to you before. So you're going to the mall and everybody's running out of the mall. <laughs> I would rather just join them and run out as well because I don't know what they're running away from and I don't want to get myself into it. But a Warren Buffet or a person that is resilient in this case wouldn't just look at crisis from one angle. So if there is a crisis or a disruption, the truth is you can always leverage on every problem, either you like it or not. People do it. And that's what makes the difference. That's why somebody will be richer than the other person by some level of uh, percentage in their network because they are ready to take the risk. So crisis comes with risk, of course. But then the opportunities in there stand out when you, when you get to understand that when the crisis does occur, there are some loopholes in that crisis as well that can give you a solution. Now, those loopholes are what you call the opportunities. There's always a loophole. Now, the loophole will allow you to penetrate that crisis. You have a better understanding of the crisis, and then you can come up with a solution. It's like a virus. There's always a loophole somewhere. You get in, you come up with your uh, debugging mechanisms, you sort it out, you overcome the virus. So to me, that's crisis. Crisis will come. It will affect everybody. But are you ready to look through the loopholes? So the loopholes are the opportunities. They are just stacked in there somewhere, stacked in there somewhere. And I made an example here that talks about Kaby Lane. Is 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 a is a if is the second most followed person on TikTok right now. I don't know if you've heard of him before, Alex. He's so popular, and what it does is, whenever he sees a video that has to do with an overly bearing situation, for example, you want to open the cap of your water bottle, and because it seems so hard, you go and get a machine to remove the cap. Kabi will simply get a napkin and had more pressure and turned the cap easily. And then it goes like, you could have just done that. 
It's so easy. So it makes things that seem so hard, super easy. That's what he did. Kevin lost his job during the pandemic. Kevin started this TikTok whole sensation of changing people's perspective in doing things the hard way to doing it in an easy way. And he has over a hundred million plus followers. He's the second most followed person on TikTok. Now, just to remind you, a whole lot of people lost their job during the pandemic, just like Kabi. What did Kabi do differently? Kabi was at home. He saw videos and he said, well, I think I can pull this off. That was his loophole. The loophole of people are doing things online, ridiculous things. I can as well do something ridiculous or even more ridiculous, but in a very interesting manner. And he's cashing out. Also the case of the pandemic, when it was so bad here in Nigeria, people started to make hand sanitizers by themselves because at that point we were getting hand sanitizers for like a dollar. And when the pandemic happened, we were getting it for like $100. It was so bad. The rush was crazy. So people started to do hand sanitizers by themselves. Churches started to do giving to church members. And the interesting part is the price went down. It went down. So there are so many opportunities in crisis. Some will capitalize so much on it and make so much profit. Some are nice. Some will capitalize on it in a very mad manner and still be able to help people to afford whatever it is they're selling. So either it's a service or a product, whatever it is that comes to you as a burden or as a disruption, you can always leverage on it. You just need to find that loophole. Just find it. It's somewhere there. It's hidden. You have to find it. So that's it. How do you go about, you know, when there is a crisis or something happens, a lot of people, their first response and action is to run around like a chicken with its head cut off, just panicking. But to find that loophole, you have to be able to, I'm assuming, step back and see a bigger picture. To to see that loophole, you got to take a step back, right? Yes, I totally agree with you. And that's why I said you need to stop looking at the crisis from one angle. So I'm in this angle and all I see is trouble. All I see is problem. Just take a shift. It's a paradigm shift. And then you turn to this side and you see something else. You can find the loophole. You probably find a solution. And everybody comes running to you saying, I will pay you this to solve this problem. Well, we've only got uh, four minutes left. Um, do you have any final thoughts, things uh, or tips or anything that you'd like to uh, convey for the last couple of minutes? Yes. And it's, it's a very short one, but then it's, it's for people to always remember that they're not alone. Whatever it is you're facing, someone somewhere in another continent, in another state or in your state has gone through the same thing. And somehow they got through it. There's a popular saying here in Nigeria that there's nothing new under the sun. So you're not alone in whatever you're going through. Just find a loophole. Talk to someone. Speak. You may not be able to change your situation, but you can reframe your mind. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand yourself, find better ways to respond and not react to situations, and most importantly, be community-minded. Thank you. And, and I'm a, now obviously we're talking about just people here, but uh, 
I would assume the same type of things you would take into the workplace as well, right? Exactly. Or colleagues that may have experienced the same project issue, as an example, you experience yes. Yes, Alex. And that's why a lot of organizations have body systems. So it still goes back to the community strategy. So you have a body and you can always tell your body whatever is going on. Usually a body would be a senior to a junior. So if it's a senior issue and you raise it, oh, um, I think I've worked on this kind of project before, or I have someone that has worked on it before, or even if it's in your unit. It gets better when you talk to someone. Open up yourself. Be visible. Be you, really. You can't continue to hide. You can't continue to hide. So you must see beyond your problem. You must learn to see beyond your limitations. On that note, we've come to the end of the show. Motobola, uh, I, I, I want to reiterate what I said earlier. This was really inspiring. Um, you conveyed a lot of different ways of thinking. I think uh, a lot of times people look at a, some sort of a methodology to make themselves resilient or um, you know, being told what they should, shouldn't do without really taking into account the, the human aspect of things, how people really think and respond. And uh, I really found this interesting because you did. You really brought the, you, you talked about the human side of things rather than a methodology or a book or a standard or something like that. So I really want to thank you for uh, talking with us today and coming at it from a different direction. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And to everybody listening and watching, stay prepared, everybody. Oh, and go find your gold. Till next time, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.